The past, the present, the future. This is Friday Night Fright. What the planet is listening to. Hello and welcome to Season 4 of Friday Night Fright. Season 4, Season 4. 4 comes after 3 and 2 and 1. 1 and 3 make 4. 2 and 3 make 5. This is not Season 5, this is Season 4. Best season yet. Season where everything changes. Everything changes. You know, it's all going to change. All going to change. This is season four. Season four. Season four of Friday Night Fright. And then, later, forever, question mark, season four, y'all. Hey, it's your boy in Austin back with another new episode of Friday Night Fright. You might remember last week's episode was intended to be a Spotify exclusive because Anchor now has this cool thing where you can put music in your episodes. You can put music, you can put web music you want as long as it's on Spotify. But, and here's the kicker, here's the rub, here's the fits. You can only put the music in if your episode only has on Spotify. So I did that and I thought that'd be cool. Spotify exclusive episodes. Spotify has lots of listeners and it'd be a cool way to throw out the podcast to new grasp of audience and at the same time get for a song in there. So I thought, why not have the Monster Mash? Because I like Monster Mash's song and it'd be nice to have a full song at the end of episodes, a gift for Spotify users. Because I thought... The episode with there everywhere, but the music part would only on Spotify. Well, it turns out I was wrong, dead wrong, because mu- the episode didn't air everywhere, it only had on Spotify, and I realised too late, much my chagrin. Now, I don't have any goddamn listeners on Spotify. Well, if I do, it's so few that it won't calculate who's actually listening to the episode. It's less than two, I think. And all my viewers, most of you guys who listen, you listen on Apple or like-minded products or projects or whatever apps, I don't know, whether you use. You don't listen to it on fucking Spotify because, let's face it, no one really listens to podcasts on Spotify, especially mine, because they listen to it on other apps. But apparently Spotify only episodes don't count for any hits. So I got no hits. And then I thought, you know what, that's fine. No hits. We'll record a new intro. We'll put it on... Anchor again. You'll put on all your apps. And I've got 11 fucking hits in like 10 minutes. And that tells me everything. Tells me, don't use Spotify. Um, don't do music on the episodes. And don't call them terrible Spotify music on the episodes. Because that's the other thing. Last week's episode was absolute shit. It was awful. It's one of the worst things I've ever done. And I made a movie called Baba Batchin. So it's just like, you know, what can you say? Um, other than it's terrible and I'm very sorry and I, if anyone wants their money back where well, you don't pay for this podcast and I wouldn't give it back anyway, but hypothetically let's uh, give you back time you spent because the episode didn't actually go up to Friday, normally goes up on Thursdays, but for Spotify they have to do previews of the episodes, so for some reason they previewed it and put it up straight away on Wednesday. So what a fucked up week that was for a podcast. Anyway, that's last week. This is this week, and it's Monday. And to be honest, I can't be asking podcasts. I know, shock horror, but fine. I am going to do it. This week's podcast is going to be on the movie called Island of Death. And I should add, right straight from you off, straight from you off. I'll discuss Island of Death more in a few seconds or minutes or whatever. But straight off, if you don't like squeamish movies, if you don't like disgusting movies. Don't listen to this episode, because this movie, I have seen it before, is one of the nastiest movies in the history of society and ever. It's a horrible movie, and 
I will be making lots of bad taste jokes about it. If you're sensitive to that stuff, don't listen. If you don't like descriptions of violence and violence of all kinds, don't listen. This is a creepy movie. It's problematic. It's really fucked up in a lot of different ways. And if that sounds like it's not your cup of tea, I understand. I'll be back next week with a bunch of reviews of Emily in Paris. That's next week's episode. I'm going back to Emily in Paris. But this week's Island Death... And, oh, my God, guys, it's such a horrible movie. But, on plus side, it's made for a meta, more focused episode than last week's piece of shit. So, thanks for listening. If you want bow out now, feel free. Pop back next week for Emily in Paris. But if you want to stay, you're going to get my thoughts on Island Death, which is airing on the Arrow video channel. Arrow's amazing, by the way. So, I'll be back after a brief word for my sponsor. So, you're probably asking yourself, as I'm saying, movie up, what is Island Death? Well, Island Death is a movie where I first watched the trailer a long time ago, and I thought, hey, this looks like a weird horror movie-esque version of The Room. By which I mean it came out before The Room, obviously, but at the same time, it did have that slightly bizarre feel to it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That could be something worth watching, a bit amusing. So it's a really bad, really weird trailer. Well, I watched the actual movie, and the actual movie is fucking horrifying, like I said. And me and my friends were scarred watching it, because it pretty much is an exploitation porn movie. Um, anyway, it's directed by Nick Masterakis. It's a travelogue of atrocities we've seen so strong that British governments once compared it to bang it as a video nasty. And they're not wrong. It's really horrible, but... At the same time, I've seen worse movies, so I'm never going to do a recap of Serbian movie or Megan's Missing Ones podcast, so I must we do a review of Island Death. But again, if you're squeamish, turn away now, because I'm going to be covering it, recapping first part in just a second. God, this movie's awful. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. So, the movie starts with um, the main character, who I'm calling Chad, I don't give a shit what movie calls him. Name character is Chad, and he's dying. He's dying, gee. There's a trope we've never seen before. The main character's dying, and the movie's a flashback that gets there. It's, um, this woman with him, Celia, he asks her for assistance, and she shakes her head and takes pictures of him, while he laments a red book, which he says brought him all this trouble. So, from there, we cut to the character's month's, Days, weeks earlier, it's never specified, showing up in Mykonos, a small village or town or city or whatever in Greece. And the narration says, oh, he loves this place because it's peaceful and they're God-fearing and it's quiet and isolated. And immediately from there, they go into a shop and meet a guy named Paul, who's a very, very pleasant, if slightly camp man, who clearly has proclivities which go beyond their understandings. And he managed to buy a red diary from him reluctantly on Chad's sites he doesn't want it for Celia talks no I'm not calling her Celia because I have I had a relative named Celia and she doesn't deserve to be in any way have any associations with this even coincidentally so her name is Jane so Jane and Chad Jane is like Chad you have to buy his diary and he's like no no red brings me bad luck and we're like ha ah, yes it does because you're dead you die ha ha anyway Paul they talk to Paul and then he's, they bond with him a bit and they buy the diary from him 
He'd go to a place, uh, maybe the one from Mamma Mia, who knows, and they talk to a woman and they're like, hey, you know, are you married? She's like, yeah, I am. Where's your husband? He's not here. She's like, are you married to Chad? And he's like, yeah, I am. That's my wife. And see, there's like, uh, and Jane's like, yes, I'm his wife. And it's like, okay, that's clearly not the case. But then they say, oh, when's your husband getting back? She's like, oh, he's, he'll be gone for weeks, but I don't want to go into any more. I look down below and they say, painter. Paint looks up to him and smiles. And Chad is like, no, I don't like that guy. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, they'll come and play later on. So from there, they decide they're going to make a phone call and have sex in the phone booth. And it's all like, wow, we're jumping gun bit here. And they decide that they're going to call Chad's mother. So they call Chad's mother, and he, as he's on phone, Chad starts having sex with Jane. And Chad's mother is like, that's disgusting. You you can't possibly be doing that. You can't be serious. And Chad's like, I can. Listen, she's going to come in a second and get rid of the grotesque sex scene, which sets the tone quite nicely. So from there, they decide that they're going to, um, you know, just watch people have sets, watch the woman from earlier have sets, and it turns out a man's not a husband, although they don't know, maybe her husband came back early. So Chad's like, she's a pervert, a pervert, a pervert, and his part misses is like, let go, let go, you fuck. So later on, they're in bed, she's wearing almost nothing, they wake up next morning, Chad's like, come on, let's have sets, I'm going to take your panties off, and see, Jean's like, no, no, you're not. So Chad goes outside, and he has sets with a goat, and he's like, what the fuck? He has four sets with a goat, and it's like, oh my god, why, why? And then he murders the goat, and it's like, what? So there's blood everywhere, and Jack's like, I have to get rid of the evidence. And it's like, you could just not have had sex with the goat in the first place, Chad. You didn't have to have sex with the goat, and then kill the goat, and then complain about the mess you made. You shouldn't make mess in the first place, you fucking psychopath. So from there, Jane decides, hey, you know... Chad's having all sets, why can't she have sets? So she goes to a fucking the man from earlier, um, and she cites that the thing to do is to murder him after he has sex with him. Cause, and she comes on to him by taking paintbrush and painting in front of his crotch, which I don't know, I have signs, I think that's kind of a sign you might be in there, I'm just saying. Anyway, they have sets, and Chad seems into it for a while, but then decides apparently he's at point of no return i'm not sure exactly what he's talking about maybe it's the faces chat um the painter guy makes as he climaxes inside jane i don't know and this is after he changed his story and said she's my cousin it's like wife cousin cousin wife wife cousin anyway um chad gets furious and he attacks a guy and he's still like you know what i'm gonna crucify you and it's okay. So he puts nails for his hands. And it's oh shit. And then they go, oh no, he fainted. I'm like, he didn't faint. You put nails for fucking hands. After you found out he was sleeping with your wife, who's apparently now your cousin. And your cousin wife. And anyway, they're like, you know what? He looks thirsty. And I'm like, he's only been down there for like a minute. It's not enough time to figure out he's thirsty or not. But it's like, he's got to drink paint. So they feed him paint. And he dies because he chokes on paint. And it's like, okay. And then... Jane's like, what do we do with the body? What do we tell people? And then they throw him overboard on a boat. How they gone to the boat, I don't know. And then Chad's like, we'll come up with a story. We'll say he went to Athens. And it's like, that probably won't hold up very long, but you do you. Later on, they're at a party for Paul and his 
Beyonce is oh, I mean, it's kind. Of, in some ways, it's nice. This with slightly more progressive coins. This move in Greece for um, gay men and gay women to get married. But at the same time, it's like Jesus Christ, guys, you're in a fucking exploitation movie. And no shit, they're in an exploitation movie because they cite that Chad and Jane cite they need to murder more people. So they go see Paul and his fiance. I think it's Brian, Jim. I don't know fucking Paul and Jim. And they're in bed together, as they are, because they're an engaged couple and they're celebrating their engagement and they're going to have sex, and that's fine. Um, you know, but apparently it's not, because Chad's like, fuck this shit, and he groans down the fucking sword on the wall, and it's like, you perversions. And then he knocks out Jim with sword, and Paul runs away, and it's a bit like, on one hand, sort of like, you're leaving your fiancé to wins this fucking maniac, but then Jack chases Paul, so it's okay. And he chases him and chases him and chases him through most of Mykonos, and it's a really, really, really prolonged, really, really, really badly done chase sequence where you go past the same locations multiple times. Oh, and this is after they've met a woman um, the previous evening at the engagement party or late that evening. They meet a woman named Cynthia wearing a red dress who apparently is found a secret fountain of youth or something, and it's never aged. And then all, all I'll say is this, if she's never fucking aged, and she started out looking 97, because fuck me, she doesn't look young. That's what I'm trying to say. No criticism on her appearance or anything like that, you know. I'm just saying, she doesn't look like she's discovered the fountain of youth. Anyway, they joke that she sleeps with anyone who comes by office in sanctuary. And at one point, Paul says, if you could call her rapist, she wouldn't blame you. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're jumping a bit there. You know, you're jumping a bit there, Paul. Is there something you won't tell us? Like, she wouldn't blame you if you called her rapist? Like, what the fuck is wrong with this place? Anyway, um, so that's something set for later on. Um, So we cut to... um. Oh, we're back in chase sequence for, from a fucking Scooby-Doo episode, but a Scooby-Doo episode with, like, a goat being raped and, and slaughtered and a man having sex with another man's cousin-wife and then being crucified. Um, so Paul eventually stabbed and cut to ribbons, um, and his fiance is being sexually assaulted by Jane. Okay, so... This is the first 30 minutes of fucking movie, people. And we've had rape. We've had crucifixion. We've had forced drinking and fucking pain. You've had fucking gay people being murdered. One gay man being murdered in an incredibly creepy way. We've had them being called perverts. We've had a, a man who may have had sex with his wife, who may be his cousin, and then called his mum up and said, hey, look, mum, listen to what I'm doing. So... Guys, this isn't this isn't opening night at the opera, you know? This isn't Carnegie Hall. You know? This is some proper bullshit right here. This is absolutely disgusting. I would say it. It's see, I watched it before and it was bad. But like I thought you know you watch it again, maybe it's less bad. This is rancid shit. This is like nasty, nasty move making. And, and like, don't get me wrong, I think exploitation cinema has its place. I really do. But this isn't fun to watch. Like, I might be making jokes about it, I might be making light of it, but this 
actually watching it is not enjoyable. I think maybe some people get sense from my comments that it's a bit of a lark, but like that's just me trying my best of a terrible situation. It's just fucking horrendous. And no, I've seen this before. I'm watching it again so you guys don't have to. But I would honestly give this section of the movie one out of five. And the only reason I'll give it one out of five is because it only the scumbag main characters who we're clearly not meant to relate to, only they find anything perverse about this man-to-man relationship. Because the rest of the characters in the movie seem fucking fine with it. And okay, one of those characters is pretty much a rapist. But at the same time, it's a God-fearing community, and they're okay with a guy and guy getting married. Like, that's that's somewhat progressive. It goes into creepily exploitative later, and the sex scenes are really fucking uncomfortable to watch. And the goat, my God, the goat. You don't do that to a goat, man. Jesus Christ. Not even fucking the witch, like fucking Black Tom, you know, Black Philip, whatever it's called. You don't do that. To, you just don't do it to a goat. It's just not done. Anyway... You'll hear me coming straight back with the next part of this recap, but I'm taking a fucking day off because I'm fucking disgusted already. I can't, I need to break from watching this shit. I really do. <sighs> Time for part two. Okay, so this terrible movie continues. Um, you saw the last part, the, um, the lovely couple, Peter and Jonathan, as we find out. Uh, murdered. Um, Peter is stabbed in chest in Jonathan is shot by Jane with a gun and they claim to have one that was a suicide and it's like, you know, okay. There's a lovely cut where bits of brain are blown out of Jonathan's skull and we see fucking Jim making jam and that's like, this movie is so classy. So, see this, Jane, sorry, Jane starts talking about how, oh, what if everyone knows? And Christopher's like, Jim, Christopher, whatever. It's like, yo, they'll never know. And he goes, they'll never know because, you know, we we we, we got the whole thing sorted. We we, we wiped the blades, swords. They thought that it was a, a suicide crime de passion. You know, it's like, oh, my God. How stupid do they think these people in this town are? So they meet up with the old woman, uh, uh, Fountain View, um, Mrs. A- Mrs. Aztec, I'll call her, and she's like, Oh, you're married, but you, man, come, you'll come to me later on. He's like, Well, I might. And she's like, Oh, cool. And Jane's like, Okay, you yeah. know. So later on, they're at a bar, and barmaid is apparently giving Jane sexy glares, although I don't see it. Could be bad acting. She makes a very sexist comment when. The guy says he wants a glass of calcium and Jane says she wants to kiss. It's like, sure, they'd be off way around. It's like, how sexist is this movie? Making even female characters say sexist things about a woman. And then Mrs. Aztec is like, hey, you know, she she's a lesbian. She She's a lesbian. We're gonna, I'm going to say she's lesbian. She likes you, Jane. Just in gym's like, okay. You know, and Jane's like, okay. They, they're not very good actors in general, so they can't remote that. So later on, Chris, the Jim, Chris, 
Christopher Robin, Christopher Robin goes and takes some photos of the um, barmaid, who at one point looks like she's slitting her wrists, but apparently she's not. He finds some pliers outside, but then a woman shows up and starts making love to the barmaid. And it's like, this movie is now being creepy and exploiting same-sex couples, and it's getting really uncomfortable to watch. Uh, again, <laughs> why don't why have I watched this twice? I could have just watched it once and forgot about it, but I decided to do it for the podcast, and I'm already regretting it. Um, so then, uh, uh, Jim and Christopher Robin and fucking Jane and Beck Gabber, and Jane's having a dream about some guy, and she wakes up goes, oh no, he was he murdered you, and he's raping me, and Christopher Robin's like, that, that won't happen, and Andre could work, Jane, that won't, that won't happen, go back to sleep, so she goes back to sleep. And next day, um, it's the evening. It's the evening again. And they're, like, going to um, P- Patricia Miss Sastek. Christopher Robin's like, you know, I'm going to have sex with her. I won't kill her. I'll just have sex. Because Leon's... Oh, no, wait. No, they don't do that yet. No, because Foster's showing up. Foster, the guy chasing them from London. You don't get any information who Foster is other than that. But they're both scared of him. And Foster shows up at the place just after they've left. And so sort of like, where are they? And, the um, owner is like, I don't know. And he's like, I wait here. And she's like, yes. And he's like, okay. So he lights a cigarette. And then immediately after that, Chris Robin comes back on his bike with Jane. But they see Foster and like, shit, so they run off. But Foster somehow catches up with them and somehow gets ahead of them. Because he's checking the plane out. And then he walks off and then turns back and Chris Robin, Jane are in plane. And he's going rope round his neck. And I'm like, oh shit, no. Because this guy, um, this... I don't know, I should probably look up names after, but it's a black gentleman. Uh, actually, here's the thing, though. Like, I'm actually going to look up the actor's name because he is actually a good actor and he's got good presence. So immediately, as soon as he shows up, they put a fucking noose around his neck and they try hang, and he try hang him from playing. But he jumps on playing. Um, on wings. They're carrying him up and he's holding on to wing. And occasionally, we get shots of him... Um, uh, Occasionally, we'll get shots of the plane from a long establishing shot away, and it's a dummy, so it's a really terrible dummy. Um, who's the actor? Gerard Gong, Gerard Gonglong, and he's a pretty good actor. He has no other credits on IMDb, I can see, but he does a good job in this. And you wish the movie is about Foster tracking down these two fucking psychopaths, but it's not. It's about two psychopaths who have no character development and who hang a black man from a fucking plane with a noose. And it's like, what the fuck? Just as we're about to get something interesting happen, you know, find out who Foster is, why he's after them, why they want to kill him when, you know, they only kill the wicked. And he's gone from the movie, that's it. It's like shit. Interesting character, dead in a very, very, very racist death. I, I have to believe that that was their intent. Because there's no excuse otherwise to hang a black man from a noose from a fucking aeroplane and cut him loosely falls in the ocean. Bad movie, minus one point for racism, you now on not have five. Um so from there they uh, decide they have good night's sleep. So they decide that they're going to find because we're back to where I was originally. They decide that next day they're going to have Chris Robin sleep with Patricia, Mrs. Aztec. 
And gives James freaking out. It's like, I don't want to do this anymore. So, like, you literally just smiled when you hung a black man from a plane for fucking news. Now you're saying you won't do this anymore. This script is embarrassing. I'm just going to say it. it's literally embarrassing. It's a terrible movie. It's making me queasy at this point to watch. But the worst is yet to come. Trust me, the worst is yet to come. So... They go and see Patricia, Miss Aztec, and Christopher and her getting about getting intimate. He's naked, she's naked, and robbing the safe. And I'm like, I feel sick at this point. And then Christopher urinates all over her. I'm not making that up. He pisses all over her. And at first she says, no, no, no. And then she starts rubbing it into her breasts and her vagina. And I'm like, this is my life. I'm 35 years old. I'm doing a podcast for free where I'm describing a scene where a grown woman is pissed on and rubs it into her breasts and her vagina. And it's like... And then says, I'll show you how good boys get erections. And then she bites his fucking penis. And I'm like, this is my life. This is the life I've chosen. She bites his penis and he's, she says, oh, you like that, don't you? So he hits her. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is fucking terrible. So he hits her. And she says, ow, you hit me. And he goes, sorry, but you bit me. She laughs. And then he hits her again. I'm like, oh, fucking hell. So... He hits her again and she runs outside and he follows her downstairs and he keeps hitting her and hitting her, kicks her. She falls down and he smashes her head off the floor four times. Okay, guys, look, I'm not squeamish. I think everyone who listens to this podcast knows that. I've seen a lot of fucked up shit and I've seen this movie before and it was bad the first time. This is literally one of the most awful things I've ever seen in the movie. I cannot stress how bad this movie is, how unpleasant it is, and now it's not even funny. Um, so I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm calling time on this. I could watch the last 45 minutes, but this movie's fucking terrible. It's fucking unpleasant. It's disgusting to watch. It's exploitative. It's creepy. It's cruel. It's malicious. It's racist. It's sexist. It's homophobic. It's just bad. Like, all of those things are awful. Don't get wrong. Any of those things are reasons to not watch a movie. But when it's this, it's just awfulness and just unpleasant to watch. Negative. I, I'm serious. My, minus five stars. I know that's the thing Brian Alvarez once said on Wrestling Observer Live or whatever it's called now. But literally, minus five stars. This is atrocious. This is so bad. And like, I get that there's people who find some sort of enjoyment in this and I'm never judging one because I, I enjoy some terrible stuff too. But it has to have a slightly endearing quality to it. This is fucking trash. I'm just going to say it. it's trash. Trash. I don't believe in censoring movies, but I would not recommend this movie. And I apologize to anyone who listens to this crap and thought he'll get through the end. I can't be asked, guys. Life is too fucking short. So I'm cutting, I'm calling time. Um, I'm going to go to the um, post credits thing for the episode. So I'll be back in a sec. Hey, it's the epilogue. It's not going to be a long one this week because, you know, I'm sick. I was actually almost sick watching that and that doesn't really happen very often. So there you go. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, 
I think it was as terrible as last week's in a different way. So hopefully next week's will be better. Who knows? Thanks for listening anyway. And I will catch you next week. As always, remember, life is beautiful and so are you. Stay frosty, y'all.